Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Heyo, welcome in to the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is the full CHGO White Sox crew. We got Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. Follow him on Twitter at Eckerwall23. He is our CHGO White Sox community leader. Can I bring it up now? Yeah. It's funny that you called him the man in the middle because, you know, Dennis Rodman was not the man in the middle. He was the power forward. Uh, so, to you're confusing people by calling Herb the center, but uh, he's, he's Herbzilla. The worm has landed in our, uh, in our panel here today. I tried bringing it up yesterday, and yeah. you guys were like, oh, let, let the reveal happen on the live show. So, now people get to bask in the glory of you paying up your bet. Yeah, you were uh, like, I remember seeing you like 20 minutes into the show, and your eyes got all wide. I was like, what, is it? what the hell is going to happen? What breaking news happened exactly. on Sunday morning before the ba- football <laughs> show start? I was talking, and I'm like, okay, I'm talking right now. Should I just stop? Because apparently the White Sox have hired a manager or something that we're going to need to stop for. No, it's just that it took Sean almost half an hour to realize that Herb's hair was a different color. Did you guys not notice? <laughs> yes, I noticed right away. I mean, I, I noticed myself. Yeah, I, literally when I logged in, I was waiting. I was like, okay, Sean going to say anything? No, okay. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, if you're looking on YouTube right now, it's rusty more than actually blonde. Mm-hmm. You know, the transition from uh, dark hair to blonde hair, it takes a long time. And they told me to condition it with toner, take a they toner. They did. Did you, know, you get this professionally done? The, no, the YouTube people. No, I got uh, it from myself. The YouTube Did you people. do it yourself? Yeah. Completely? Cordy yeah. didn't help you at all? She did, uh, right, in the toner part. Nice. But then, like, it shows up like this. If you're looking on YouTube, it's kind of weird. Um, I'm going to probably shave it off eventually. Eventually, but, like, you know, what, we get a week of orange herb? I mean, I'm going to wear a hat tomorrow. <laughs> when we're are you, are you this going? This is the only reason I'm not wearing a hat, because I can reveal it. Are you going as Rodman for Halloween? Oh, man, that'd be so great. <laughs> Bunch of tattoos I mean, coming up. It's just two weeks. I could yeah. shave my head and go as Debo. It'd be much easier. <laughs> you need a longer that'd be beard. A, that'd be a bit more obscure <laughs> Halloween costume. Yeah. Trick or treat! I'm White Sox first base coach, hey. Daryl Boston. Well, yeah, <laughs> not that one. The real one. The real one from Friday. Oh, I would, no. I would never go as Daryl Boston. I'm about to say, if you're going, you're going to have to work on that beard as first oh, base yeah. coach. Yeah, you're going to have to grow out the Santa beard. Uh, but glad to have you. I mean, it was only a, a, a bet. That we needed to pay off in August. Yeah, so. exactly. I had to wait a couple of weddings had to finish, and so 
you know, I went to my friend Jill's and this weekend went to Tony Gill's wedding. Once that was over, I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's finally pay off the bet because I'm not a welcher. I you're, get the job done. Your guy Dan Payton saying, uh, Wesley Snipes, Demolition Man. Oh, Love man. It. Love that movie. Love that Taco Bell was a sponsor of that movie, too. <laughs> was it? Oh, yeah. Ta- man, Taco Bell was the movie. Like, they said Taco Bell was, like, designer eats. Like, if you went out for a fancy, luxurious dinner, it was at Taco Bell. That was the future of a de- Demolition Man. There you go. Murder, Death, Kill. I got to watch Demolition Man. I just know it's Wesley Snipes and... Uh... Sandra Bullock. Oh, okay. I was going to say Woody Harrelson. And which also, is, uh, Sylvester Stallone, yeah. he, he might be. He's the lead character. A, a yeah. Appearing <laughs> in the movie. Uh, Alex is asking, uh, what's the update on my hair growing back? I haven't gotten a haircut since, uh, and it's 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 time, I think. So it's been about it's been about two months. For yeah. what? Time for what? A haircut. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's getting scraggly. Um, so I think I, I need to either shave the complete uh, hair off and just go bald or uh, or, or get it real uh, nice and uh, tight like Herb's got it here with Shit. the orange hair. Uh, on today's podcast, we'll be going through our grades. We'll be handing out more report cards today for Jose Abreu. I'm not even reading that comment about my hairline. I just see Sean's hairline. I'm not, I'm not brave enough to read that live <laughs> on the podcast. Um, we're going to talk about Jose Abreu's grades for 2022. And we got some more names leaking out in the White Sox managerial search. We will update you on those names and get you a list of people who we can at least confirm have been interviewed and maybe uh, a list of people who have not been interviewed uh, try to whittle this list down and get a clear and concise list for you to figure out who's going to be the next manager of the Chicago White Sox but I'm glad we're talking about baseball because it's cold outside and it's terrible oh my god I don't know if you guys know this certainly my wife does I I hate winter I absolutely hate it. I was born in winter. I live in the city where it's winter all the time. I can't stand it. I absolutely hate winter so much. Well, it's so, time to talk to the PHX it's like, people and do remote work for. Uh, for yeah, can your we White start Sox spring podcast? training now? Uh, because <laughs> it's like 35 degrees outside, and I can't stand it. You need to be going to San Diego. Watch the NLCS. I wish it was so. You know, you always get these people who are like, you know, oh, I love the change of seasons. I like that it it goes from warm to cold. No, it should be 72 degrees every day, all day. It should never change. Herb, I understand why San Diego is so appealing to you. Oh, yeah. I, the dumb stuff that people say about the changing of, uh, of summer to fall to f- winter. No. Let it be summer all, all year long or spring all year long. San Diego is great. Like, it was 75. And when you saw the rain the other day in the game versus the Dodgers, that's a rarity. Very much every day I was there from March until October of 2015 or 16. It did not rain, not not one drop. And so seeing rain, I was like, ooh, wow, that is a thing there. So, yeah, just have consistency outside where you don't – one thing you don't have to worry about is the weather. This today I went out, like, expecting it to be, like, in the 50s. Man, it was like 35 when I walked the dog today early. I was like, nope. The walk, the walk from the car – to the front door of Jewel across the Jewel parking lot was my worst experience in months. And what, it took like a minute? Yeah. Did you get a nice parking spot at Jewel? I mean, like, I, decent. I got to say, today I parked right on the main street here, so I'm walking out, and it's just a very quick walk to my, my car. Still ride. unpleasant. <laughs> well, could be worse. It could be, could be down the block. It could yeah. be by that tennis court. It's That'd just be that way transition more of your body's still kind of working on fall slash summer weather. And when it drops down to 35, that 35 feels the coldest of all time. May, turn this 35 into March. We're like, man, warmth. We're out here in shorts. 35, beautiful. But this 35 just cut through me today. Well, and I think Carm mentioned it's going to be Sunday, uh, 70 this weekend. Uh, the so last gasp. Uh, that will be, be like 95 degrees. Yeah, um, the last gasp. 
I've been sleeping with the the windows open for about the past month or so, living on, on the second floor, thankfully. Like Luca. Uh, but, like, I, I'm going to be real sad to close those windows and deal with my radiator heat that I can tell is just ridiculously hot. Radiators are no fun. I'm not, I'm not excited about it. My first time with a radiator. <laughs> uh, Jack R is asking, do I believe in Cleveland yet? Uh, Jack's been very much on Guardians winning the World Series. It's going to be an interesting game five tonight. Aaron Savali versus Jamison Talion uh, in the Bronx. It's going to be at 6.07. What do we think of Game 5 here? Tied 2-2 going into New York. Savale versus Talion. No big edge there, I'd say. I think the edge is for the Yankees. You're back at home. You have Savale. You know he's not long for this game. You know they're going to be a bullpen game as soon as Savale gets in trouble. Jamison Tyone, on the other hand, he might go a little five innings. You know, Cleveland has acquitted themselves really nicely in this series, and I've seen exactly what... I've hated about them when they played versus the White Sox, and they've applied that to the Yankees. Just hustling all the time, picking up the ball when they need to, getting great pitching. And, you know, yes, the other day they just ran into, a, or Sunday they ran into a Yankee team that was ready to win, and this Harrison Bader is just on fire. What, three home runs in his first four playoff appearances with the Yankees is uh, unbelievable, especially being at the bottom of the lineup like he is with the Yankees. But I think the Yankees have the home field advantage, have the momentum going for themselves. They are the far superior team. I think the Yankees uh, prevail and make a matchup with the Yankees-Astros on Wednesday. We'll see. Usually it comes down to the little things, and we almost saw it last night. Regular old line drive to center field, bounces off the uh, center fielder, and all of a sudden it's a runner in scoring position in a two-run game for the Guardians. So um, obviously they didn't make anything out of it, but uh, you know they they have the ability to turn a a, a game of inches in their favor. Uh, you know, a, a game where that can hinge on one play goes in their favor with the way they play. So I'm you know. Who knows if they win? The Yankees could come out and hit four home runs pretty easily. But uh, uh, I, I don't think it will be a, a blowout by any stretch because we haven't seen that even in the really at all in this series. You know, uh, the games that Cleveland has won have been tight. The game that Cleveland lost have been tight. So um, I think uh, I, I think you're in for an entertaining one. Uh, really, anytime the Guardians play. So. Uh, People should tune into that. I don't. Foot, foot, there's a football game tonight. I'm guessing these students they still do Monday night football. Yeah, they probably. Do. Yeah. yeah, forget about it. Watch the baseball instead. I just wonder <laughs> where White Sox fans are. I see a couple of comments are like F Cleveland. I don't like them. That's not the that's the grade they're giving Cleveland. Oh, F that? Cleveland. Oh, okay. But I wonder how White Sox fans are feeling for tonight's game. I do detest the Yankees. I don't really hate the Cleveland Guardians. I don't like playing them, but I think their baseball is pure. I think their manager is awesome. Even Josh Naylor, it's you know something I would bitch about if a White Sox player was to do what Josh Naylor did to Gary Cole last night because I think that's disrespectful to the actual player. It's a you know you could celebrate or you can do what Josh Naylor did, which was pretty much show up Gary Cole after he had a home run saying that he was a baby, that he was his son. That's that's a little too much, but they have those type of things at Cleveland, and so you know Josh Naylor is a. Uh, kind of like a polarizing figure. So do White Sox fans think about that time when he hit the two home runs and think about, oh, I hate that guy too, and now he's doing it for the Yankees. Oh, I hate the Yankees too. Or do they like, you know, the Yankees are the Yankees, and so I'm always going to hate them no matter if they're going against a division rival or not. It's funny. Sean, I'll ask you because you're you're younger than us. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've ever brought that up. Yeah. You're younger than us. Do you see the Yankees as the Yankees? No, because when we were kids, they won. When we were, when I was a kid, they won all the time. When Herb was a kid, they won all the time. You know, it they haven't what they haven't even been to the World Series since they won in 09, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's been 
13 years since they've been in the World Series. Guardians were in the World Series six years ago, uh, or they weren't called that at the time. But I mean, it's just it, it, it's interesting to maybe hear a, a younger person's uh, outlook on it, considering they don't they haven't really been from a win the pennant, win the World Series standpoint. The Yankees. Yeah, I was uh, born in '97, so I really missed that like last dynasty run there. I was around for them losing to the Diamondbacks in 2001, but I really don't Great remember series. Uh, baseball then. Yeah. Um, I do remember the Giants-Angels series. So that was like that the was first series World too. Series I remember. Wow. And then I was rooting against the Yankees in 03. I wanted the Marlins to win. Um, Pudge. But, and that was because they just beat the Cubs. Um, so I was very much anti-Yankee. But yeah, they're not like the Yankees, the Yankees. Like we've talked about this. They've had a winning record since 1992. But outside of signing A-Rod, they really haven't done anything super evil. Like, you know, the, the Garrett Cole signing, sure, okay, but... But some team was going to do that. Right. Probably they, they, the Angels if it wasn't the Yankees, right? <laughs> they don't pay for pitching. They pay for hitting. Um, but, like, I had a Yankees fan DM me. He said, you ever felt an insurmountable pain in years past, so you're numb to it now? That's me after they lost game three. This Yankee fan coming to a White Sox fan telling them about pain. Exactly. It's like, that's that's real rich here, buddy. Like, you guys haven't had a losing season in over 30 years. Um, you've been to how many World Series in your fandom's life? I don't view them as, like, the Yankees. I would say, like, the Lakers are probably more of a hated team, like, when I was growing up, just because they won with Kobe and Shaq. Um, but I understand why you guys hate the Yankees. I mean, literally... They have nine times the championships the White Sox do. Right. But started the same year, mm-hmm. nine times the championships. So, yeah, I'll never root for the Yankees yeah. unless they go against the Astros. Then I'll, but like, this, bite my tongue and root for the Yankees. Nine times the championships as the White Sox, but the same number in the last 20 years. Hey, there Boom. you go. <laughs> Not the same amount of uh, appearances, though, in the World Series, which White I White Sox is more efficient. Yeah, that, there you go. <laughs> They've got a better winning percentage. <laughs> That's all that matters. Um yeah, I mean, do you guys, I mean, like, I liked A-Rod when I was growing up, so, like, my, I don't think my, my opinion really counts that much, too, because he's a cheater, so, like, I don't know, like, my baseball fandom as a kid is kind of tainted, because, like, my favorite players were Sammy Sosa and Alex Rodriguez, um, and, like, part of the salary cap, too, it's just kind of made the, I think, the Yankees winning less frequent, and you add the the wild card in that, that started in 95, like, I think it's just part of baseball changing rather than the Yankees getting worse. Maybe. I mean, they, they, they tried so hard right after that 01 World Series, right? They went out, they signed Jason Giambi. They got, remember, they got Randy Johnson mm-hmm. for a little while. I mean, like, they were, they were loading up. They had Teixeira for the longest time. Like, they were, they were trying to still be the Yankees. And then somewhere along the line, they went back to growing their own guys. And, <laughs> they're, hey, they're, they're, they're always good, right? Uh, they just they, they haven't done the winning. And I feel like the reason everybody hated the Yankees – you know, 25, 20, 25 years ago was just because they won all the time. Mm-hmm. Same reason people hate the Patriots, right? Um, yeah. And, and I, w- when you look back over the last 20 years, they've won one World Series. They've been in what, two? Oh, three and oh, nine. Yeah. Right? And then in 20 and then, years, yeah. Yeah. And then you, you count in oh, one to what was that, 97, I think they Yeah, they were they a bunch like in a row. 98, yeah. 99, and 2000, they won all those championships. That was the last time a team has repeated as a champion, and that will not happen again as the Braves are. Summarily dismissed by the Philadelphia Phillies. The the National League White Sox are out here in the NLCS. <laughs> Can you believe it? We're five, five times? Oh, no, wait. Five, six, seven times. Seven times in my lifetime they've been to the uh, 
They've been to the World Series. So it's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's pretty damn good. Uh, probably the most. Uh, we got Schwell with a super chat, a dollar ninety nine super chat. How big of an impact is having Francona over Boone? Uh, Herb, do you do you, do you see any leverage there? We say managers don't matter too much. I, I don't see any difference here because I mean, you look at the game they lost six to five. Yankees hit three home runs. I think really it leads to you know if they have more power than the Guardians, that's going to lead to a win. I don't think the the managers matter too much in this. It'll Serious. seem that the managers matter a lot because Terry Francona will be using his bullpen a lot today. That's what he, he always does. Exactly. That's <laughs> what he wants to do at all times. So when that three batter minimum came, he was like, fuck, I hate everything. Now he has to use all these guys. You'll see Stefan in the game today. Um, you'll see uh, uh, Class A, who hasn't been used a lot. You'll see, of course, the man who pitches all the time. What's his name? Uh, Karen Shaw. No, Karen. Uh, Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw. He'll be in the game. There'll be a bunch of people, and he'll use these guys well because that bullpen has done well for itself all year long. And with a guy like Aaron Savali going to the bump, you can't let him get this game way too far away, especially if you go and score some runs in the first inning. Savali needs to shut down the Yankees in that first inning, give you two or three innings of length, and that's it. You'll be seeing a lot of Terry Francona today. I don't know if Aaron Boone will be as active as one of the comments said. Yankees have been using that bullpen. They might be a little gassed. These games have been coming fast and furious. And their problems they had last night where they couldn't leave and they didn't get home until like 2 a.m. in the morning. And their traveling party was still stuck in Cleveland. So they have a couple things that are going on with them currently. I think if you had to have a manager, I would rather have Tito Francona because of his success over his whole lifetime, he's won, what, two at least two championships. Boone has won zero. I would say Tito Francona would be the advantage tonight if you're saying that managers matter. Well, and the one thing, too, them having days off on Wednesday and Thursday, I think Emmanuel Class A hasn't pitched since, uh, I think I want to say, last Friday. So, And he threw 30 p- three, three pitches in that outing. So Class A should be fresh. I mean, that, that bullpen should be fresh. Um, and the one thing, too, rain is in the forecast in New York. So that game might de- get delayed. We might not even <laughs> need to talk about it because they might not play that tonight. Uh, but let's get in. And uh, I do want to acknowledge this from Alex. Uh, Yankees rings before 1950 prior to in- integration uh, from 1951 to 1962. Only 10 teams in each league. Uh, the 1979, 7 and 78 um, they are the acceptable rings, uh, and then 96 to 09, there's multiple Sarah users. So the Yankees only have two real rings wow. um, because of integration, uh, the lack of teams, lack of wild card, and steroids. <laughs> wait a minute. A lot of stuff. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, so the White Sox have so, more. So the White Sox have more legitimate champions. So he's. Yankees. So this guy's wiping out all World Series winners from before there were just a certain number of teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Except the White Sox ones. The one in, what was that? 19, the one where they actually 19, cheated. 1906 <laughs> 1917, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So it's still good. We yeah, got three, count. they only have two. Yeah. And we, Suck it, Yankees. There you go. Uh, like, we didn't win well, any. Well, those two are prior to integration, too. Yeah, so take them off. Oh, we only got one. So is there no, wait, so when does the first real World Series happen? 47. Well, no, because he said there's only 10 teams in each league, so that's not, that doesn't count. Oh, so 77. So if you won since 77 uh, prior wow. to 1995. That's almost 100 years of, of fake World Series winners. That sounds like the, the A's <laughs> probably are the best team, have the most World Series rings. I in, just uh, think about the White Sox during leagues. that whole time. Had to like Baseball was unfair. They, the Yankees were the Yankees in the 20s on. The White Sox had to beat the Yankees to get into the playoffs. 
There was only one team from the American League right. that went to the playoffs, which was the World Series. So they went from 1919, the White so- the Black Sox scandal, to 1959, the next time they got to the playoffs. That's amazing because of the Yankees pretty much all in that time and some sprinkled in Boston Red Sox games. So, like, that was unfair. Very much unfair. And it's like kind of like 1990 where the White Sox won 90-plus games and couldn't go to the playoffs because the A's won 100 games. <laughs> I'm glad baseball does it the way they do it now because it's much more well, equitable. Now you see people complaining that all the all the good teams are getting knocked out early and, and that the, the good team should be able to pick if they want to buy or not. Like, uh, uh, we're getting real... Real, I mean, I say, I say, go back, go back to the old days. Just the four teams. Does one team makes the World Series, World American League champ versus National League champ. Wow. Let's get go. rid of divisions. Get, well, they should get rid of. Actually, uh-huh. what they should do should actually get rid of divisions. There's no point in having divisions or leagues, to be quite honest. Thank you. At this point, twelve teams best record put them in playoffs. I agree, yeah. but I, I don't know about <laughs> the twelve best teams. Is what you said? Yeah. Right. Okay. I yeah. don't care what league or division they play in. I'd be fine with that. What would the uh, What would the White Sox still be out of the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly what I was going to check. <laughs> were the white, was there any way? The You're White telling me there the were 11 teams in the league? Well, that the were, White Sox um, were the eighth best team or? in the AL. So if they expand their playoffs to eight teams, the White Sox would have made the playoffs this year. All right, so if 12 teams got in, it would be the Dodgers, Astros, Braves, Mets, Yankees, Cardinals, Guardians, Blue Jays, Mariners, Padres, Phillies, Race. So all the teams, so all the teams that, that actually that made, got in. so it worked. So it'd be the twelve yeah. teams, yeah. Which you know, yeah. I mean, really the only. But the Mets the would have had a buy. Yeah, we under, yeah. we yeah. understand why they did it in the past. Train travel divisions made sense. It's a short trip. Train to, travel. Yeah, they're like, hey, I <laughs> I get to go train. to airplanes had not yet been invented. I get to go to Cincinnati tomorrow. Oh, we got a three game <laughs> set with the, around with when the they Cincinnati airplane, right? The Cincinnati Red. You guys were born when they invented the airplane, right? They invented the airplane? Yeah. The Wright brothers? Yeah, what was yeah, that? Me and Herb are the Wright brothers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Orville and Wilbur. Yes. <laughs> Never wrong. Um, yeah. Oh, Schwo saying Herb looks like a long-lost member of a 90s rap group. Crucial Conflict. I love him. You remember Crucial Conflict? Oh, who doesn't? Hey in the Middle, hey in the middle of the Barn. It's a great song. <laughs> was there somebody that looked Hooch, like Hoochie Everything. It's all Heidi Ho. I guess, I guess you'd be this guy? Yeah. You're, you're, you're shaped? Yeah. All right. Crucial Conflict was one of the great bands of uh, the 90s from this area. Do or Die also. You got, you got Lawrence mentioning it and singing it over there. So uh, we'll get into Jose Abreu's draft gra- or, uh, report cards and, and grades for the 2022 season. Uh, but want to let you know about our brand new sponsor, DraftKings. Picture this. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high. The tension is higher. Your, your pulse? Racing. He kicks, and you watch as the ball lands. I don't know how. Please remove the tension by using your normal voice. All right, so he kicks the ball and watches that <laughs> land. Make every play this feel this exciting with Traffic Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the oh, NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. I love their promo that they got today. They have now changed Justin Herbert. If he throws a touchdown today... The odds before today, before DraftKings boosts them, is at minus 800 for Justin Herbert to throw a touchdown. Today, you can opt in and get those odds at plus 100, and you could bet up to $25. So basically, you bet $25, and Justin Herbert throws a touchdown tonight, you will also win $25. So you are getting your money back. It's a one-to-one odd ratio. And here's the thing. Justin Herbert has thrown a touchdown in every single game he's ever played in. 
It's a pretty good deal, all right? So going from minus 800 to plus 100, you could be hanging on the line tonight looking for a Justin Herbert touchdown. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. I like today um, Joshua Kelly over 22.5 rushing yards. I like Justin Herbert to throw a touchdown. I also like the under in this game. So if you're looking to put together a same-game parlay, head over and make things sweeter. You could throw down or step up a same-game parlay once per day, all season long. So download the points, but so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code CHGO to get $200 in free bets. And if your team wins, just place a $5 bet on any football game, only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See more for details. And then our next partner is our good friends over at Athletic Greens. Want to let you know, I've been taking Athletic Greens now for over seven months now. It doesn't taste too super healthy. It tastes kind of mild, tropical, and I look forward to it each and every morning. With one delicious scoop of AG1, I absorb 70 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. This special blend of ingredients helps support my gut health, my nervous system, and my immune system. And for less than $3 a day, I invest in my health and it's cheaper than a coffee habit. And the thing is, it's lifestyle friendly. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it will work with you. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, and that is AG1. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. Um, can we delete that uh, That first uh, DraftKings ad. No, that's going to take some time. Oh, I, I slipped up on that one, and I felt goofy. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a dollar right there. Um, <laughs> let's bad. go into Jose Abreu's grades for the 2022 season. We did Lucas Giolito yesterday on a podcast-only version, so if you missed that, make sure you check it out. We did give grades for Lucas Giolito in 2021 and 2022, but I think that was more to see the step back that he took. Today we're doing Jose Abreu, um, and... Uh, I don't. My face doesn't need to be on it. This is the entire uh, nope, <laughs> entire show. No, Sean uh, is Sean we, speaks for us we, here. We could have put all three in there. Uh, but this is Jose Abreu's record for, for 2022. For offense, we're giving him an A minus. Defense, A B plus. Overall, an A minus. Jose Abreu in his ninth season with the White Sox was not everything you'd hoped him to be, but he still lived up to the expectations and his contract. Yeah, and if you look at the peripherals, I know that people are going to focus on. The 15 home runs. And yes, the sapping of power, sapping, and I put those in quotes, is concerning. But he still hit 40, home, 40 doubles, which more than 10 more than he hit last year's season, which people would say that's more of a typical Jose Abreu season. This year, his expected weight on base, his weight on base, I think were his most, his highest in his major league career of any season that was a completed season. So the 2020 season, you throw that one out there, his expected weighted on base was 373. He had a great year offensively. He did a great job of holding this team down. And I feel, and I haven't got this confirmed, that he changed his game to uh, fit the White Sox and what they needed at the time. They weren't getting on base a lot as a team, as a collective. He raises a walk uh, percentage up to 9.3. I think that's the same he had last year, but he had many more walks than he had ever in his life. His highest on base since, I think, um, his rookie year. 
he's just a guy that adjusted to the game and what his team needed because he's a leader and he showed that that leadership uh, all season long. I thought August Abreu was going to show up and then we will have the numbers be the same. It started off good. I think he hit a home run right on August 1st and we're all like August Abreu in the house. <laughs> that might have been his last home run of the year. It stopped at 15. He did not hit a home run in September or October. It was kind of odd. But I believe this guy deserves all the plaudits he does. He got this year, and A minus for the grade is uh right on right on track. I would give it. Yeah, A minus was uh you know something that I think it's difficult to put in perspective because he hit forty home runs. He also hit fifteen home or uh, forty doubles. He also hit fifteen home runs. Uh, so you see the power step back. But as Herb said, you know he makes that. Uh, increase in his walk rate most he's ever walked this year so you still look at the way to run created plus and it's 137 one of the highest he's ever had in his uh in his in his, in his career listen we talk about uh you know so much about the expectations and i think that if if people were down on jose abreu this year it's because of what the expectations are supposed to be he had set himself up as a guy who is a uh really good power hitter and can hit home runs and was being expected to hit a, you know a certain number of them every year he did not do that this year and so i think a a number of people, uh, you know, had had negative things to say about his season, but as an hit, as just a hitter, he was excellent again because Jose Abreu is an excellent hitter. That's what he does. He is consistent. He was far and away the most consistent White Sox hitter this year. I, you know, and really, you can talk about nobody on that team being consistent, but Abreu after that early slump, you know, in in the first month of the year just took off and was himself for the remainder of the season, even if those power numbers weren't there. You talked about the fact that even though he wasn't hitting home runs like he usually does, he was doing other stuff at a best-in-his-career level. Uh, this is a guy who, uh, two, what now we're at, what are we, two, three years removed from the last time he was a free agent, and everybody was panicking, oh, my God, his numbers are going to drop off a cliff because he's getting older. You know how can, how can this guy keep this up? He just showed you over three years how he can keep it up. Over the last three years, quite simply, he was one of the best hitters in the American League. He won an MVP in 2020. Last year, he won another RBI crown. And this year, uh, you know, the the phenomenal work that he did in some of the other categories, uh, including, you know, leading the uh, – almost almost leading the American League in hits. hits I think yeah. he just was finished second, right? So, um, I mean, this is a guy who you know what you're going to get. And I think as we go on, we're probably going to talk about whether or not the White Sox should look to bring him back. The thing that you can say with great certainty, in, in my opinion, is that you know what you are going to get from Jose Abreu. And when you've got a roster full of young guys who have yet to show you that kind of consistent levels of production, to have the consistency of a Jose Abreu um, is a big big advantage and uh, I, I don't see any reason to give him outside of an A range what you would do in terms of a grade to, to not do that to give him a B plus or a B or whatever uh, is very much grading on the curve of what you expected him to do pretty much solely in the home run department right yeah and so you take everything else uh, you, you if you take that out of it and, you know, it bothered the White Sox all year long, all up and down the roster. You take everything else that he did this year, and there's no way you could give him anything but an A. Yeah, I think the reason why, you know, you look at what he's done over the contract, and since 2020, he's the 15th best hitter in Major League Baseball. You also look at games played, seventh most in Major League Baseball. So Jose Abreu is just giving you so much consistency. And I do have concerns with the home run number, but the more you look into – his pitch recognition and I think the ball that was in play this year, I think that really 
hurt him a ton. Well, um, how many, you know, you, you say he's, oh, he had 40 doubles. Those were, uh, you know, he also had somewhere between, what, six and 700 flyouts to the warning track, yeah. I think, it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, throughout the course of the year. Um, yeah, well, and the thing, too, like, I mean, a lot, I mean, I remember there was the one double that he literally just hit off the top of the wall. I mean, like, if it was, like, hit, like, a, a point five miles per hour harder, it probably would have gone over the fence for a homer. So, like, there was definitely some that he missed, but um, with his opposite field power, um, it, it just was a lot of warning track power. You're right. It was just a lot of warning track shots. So that's the one thing that, you know, it, it is frustrating for Abreu, but I would say that seeing an increase in sliders all around baseball, not only to Jose Abreu, but just to every single batter, um, sliders now were the most used p- uh, pitch uh, in fastballs for the first time in, uh, I mean, I don't even know how many seasons, but slider was the most predominantly used pitch. And I think it took Jose a bit to catch up to that, but what you saw was at least him using that entire field and not getting beat by that pitch. And Frank Aquino talked about it by getting slider to death. And I think what he did was get away from, you know, what his normal hitting strategy was. And it was more, let's take balls to where they were being pitched. And if you look at the actual heat map of where Abreu was being pitched, especially with sliders this year, was the most consistent of where pitchers were able to locate. They were able to locate on the outside edge against Abreu consistently this year, and a lot of the times it was a floater. It was a hanger, and Abreu would be able to smash that and pull that to, 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 to left field. But I think sliders have just become such a go-to pitch for pitchers that it's gotten to the control levels, and maybe not exactly, but near control levels of a fastball. And Guys were really able to just paint that on the outside corner. So it just really, with the ball deadening itself and Abreu needing to be a full field hitter, um, I think the fact that just the pitch selection, the the pitches that he was getting, um, and just the way that he was driving the ball to that certain field, I think you saw a step down. But when it comes to pitch selection, um, he started he swung out of the zone the least he's ever uh, has in his career. Um, he was more selective when he was swinging. Uh, his swing percentage went down, and it just really seemed like once I get that pitch, that slider away, we saw it even with Class A um, in that famous September 20th game where he kept the <laughs> Sox alive. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, he just really had a great knack for taking that pitch to where it needed to be put. And I, I don't know if that's going to continue in 2023, but it just seems like that contact ability is still there. And I think if he started seeing more fastballs, then I think that power possibly could return. But I think it was a lot to do with just – the dead and ball and the pitches that he was seeing. Well, and you talked so much about about you know the sliders and the balls on the outside. But here's the thing: you mentioned it, that happened across baseball. What did Jose Abreu do with it? He turned it into one of the biggest hit totals in the league. Mm-hmm. What did every other hitter on the White Sox do with that? Slay let it. They out. Swore, struck out a bunch, and their numbers were all, were 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 bad. So th- that should speak positively to Jose Abreu, I would think, in terms that. You know, when with the rest of the lineup falling apart, he managed to have a very good season, even while that was happening to him as well. Yeah, the chase rate went up like 25 percentile in 2020. I think 15 percentile in 2021. It went up to like 45 percent, which is still you know middle of the pack. Um, but I think he he stopped he stopped chasing. I think especially in that like May, June, and July area. August and September, I think it started getting a little weary on him, but it really did feel like he started finding a, a rhythm there. To change your strikeout percentage from 21% to 16% for any Major League Baseball player is a huge step. For, for a player this deep in his career who's established who he is, it's a huge step. 
he, as you said, would take those sliders where they're pitched. And so power might be a sap from that because he sees the difference in how they're pitching him. And yes, he has enough power to hit the ball out of the ballpark sometimes. But if you're just throwing consistent sliders to him, it's going to be really hard for him to like, okay, let me gear up for the slider outside and let me take it out to right center field. You know, occasionally he would do that. But if you're going to pitch me there, I'm just going to try to get on base so the rest of my teammates can get the job done. And I see people saying like, you know, his uh, runs batted in was down and his other stats for power were down. It's like, yeah, runs batted in. I've always said they're a team generated stat. And yes, Jose Abreu did not do as well as he usually does with runners in scoring position. But I guarantee the opportunities weren't as much as they were in the past because, remember, the first couple of months, nobody in the White Sox was getting on base. They couldn't hit initially. Then they hit all singles. And then when they got players on in runners and scoring position, positions, they didn't get the job done for a large part except for, like, Yoan Moncada, who had a weird splits where he did really well with guys in runners and scoring position, especially with two outs, and then did poorly everywhere else. But Jose Abreu, I think, is a... Uh, a professional that adjusted his game to suit his team, and that's the leader you need on this team forever and always. Phil B is asking, uh, do you guys have Jose's average with runners in scoring position this year? Um, I do just want to go to your point first of his opportunities with runners in scoring position. Most plate appearances he's had in a season with runners in scoring position, 207 in 2016. 2019, 190 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Then 2022, 183 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. So this was the third most plate appearances he's had in a season uh, with runners in scoring position. Now, to be fair as well, it is, I think, the second most games he's ever played in his career. Third most. Uh, 2016, he played 159. 2019, he played 159. 2022, he played 157. So basically, this just lines Same up to, much. yeah, you know, if he played more games, he'll get more plate appearances. Um, but when you look at weighted runs created plus with runners in scoring position, 2014 was his best year at 187. 2020 as MVP year um, was the second best at 183. But this really wasn't too drastic for him. In 2021, he had a weighted runs created plus of 145. 2019, 139. 2022, 136. 2018, 133. So he's usually been around that 130 range, especially since 2018, the only exception being 2020 when he was an MVP. So that's that would make him this in 2022 36% better than the average major leaguer. Yes, with runners in scoring position. It's pretty good. Yeah, right. I mean, he's not, he's not MVP <laughs> levels at 83% better. Um, but, yeah, so what, I mean, pr- pretty damn good. I mean, it, there wasn't a huge drop-off. What was the slash? He probably he walk a lot then. Um, the slash is in 2022. They, don't, they just give me the average. Okay. Hold on. Because um, uh, I feel like he didn't hit as well. His average was the lowest in his career, yeah. 268. Yeah. But guess what? I bet that applies to everybody on this roster. Oh, yeah. Because that was a team-wide problem. Oh, yeah. Right. They sucked. I would not be surprised if he was much higher than most most of his teammates. You know what I mean? Like, every, every you know, you, we got folks, com- you know, saying, oh, my God, he was miserable with uh, runners in scoring position. Well, even though he wasn't miserable, if that is your definition of miserable, it means everybody else on the team were more miserable. Pro- I would, I would, I would venture to guess. Well, let's see. Um, with red, oh, we'll get rid of. Uh, stop giving me. You're doing okay. fan graphs. Sean yeah, is just go. playing runners with the scoring splits position. Right now. Uh, Carlos Perez led the team in raid runs created plus. <laughs> runners <laughs> um, so Elvis Andrus was shockingly. Uh, the best hitter when it comes to weighted runs career plus for the White Sox with runners in scoring position at 180. If we're talking about 
just during his players. month and a half that yeah. he was on the team. Yeah, right? yeah. and 37 plate appearances. Um, if we're looking over 80, Aloy, 171. Yohan Moncada in 114 had a 155 weighted runs created plus, mm-hmm. so Yo knows clutch. Andrew Vaughn, 125 plate appearances. He had 143 weighted runs created plus. And then Jose Abreu, 183 plate appearances. Um, he had a 136 Raider runs created plus. Average-wise, um, leader would be Andrew Vaughn. Uh, 339 average with runners in scoring position. Aloy, 364 um, with runners in scoring position. And then Robert was 302. So Abreu coming in at 246. or Sorry, no, uh, 268 um, was 12th on the team. I don't know what to make of that. You know, it's it's not high. Yeah, it's not high. I wouldn't but have guessed I, that. I, I, mean, I would have guessed that he would be, have been much higher. He's still sad about the same career-wise. Right. So just shows you Andrew Vaughn, Aloy Jimenez, can take on the, the, the brunt if he, if, he, if he ends up leaving. <laughs> uh, let's look at the, uh, the report card, and I, I think Kevin added your guys' faces to make it a little bit more friendly. There you go. Um, thank you, Kevin, for doing that. Of course. Quick, I'm inclusive. Quick word. I felt bad. You made me feel bad. You threw oh. me on blast. I'm, not on, I'm not, not on the socks pod all the time. Don't worry. It wasn't on purpose. We, 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 we love that you made up for yourself. You, you, you know, we'll give you a pat on the back for that one. Uh, defense, uh, Jose Abreu getting a, a B-plus. I didn't really think that, I mean, it's first base, so I didn't really, you know, it wasn't, you could probably give him an A. You could probably give him a B minus. He's been exactly who he has been at first base defensively this year. I didn't see too much from him. I would say anecdotally, wasn't his best, wasn't his worst. That's kind of what I would say. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of had the extremes. I think I think last year and the year and his MVP year yeah. were he was fantastic. Um, I would say he was probably a step back from that this year, but certainly not to the point, you know, earlier in his career where he had to go to work to get better. I mean, you know, I, I think the defense again, a team wide issue for the White Sox this year. Um, he was getting some throws that were not uh, fantastic over there. But uh yeah, I wouldn't say that Again, anecdotally, I'm sure there are numbers to, to tell a, a different uh, layer of that story. But I would say anecdotally, he looked maybe a little less than he uh, than he did in the last couple of seasons, but still pretty good, I thought. Number-wise, uh, he was better outs above average this year than last year. Oh, yeah, wow. and there I saw go. only like one time that I see him like flub the 363 which he is the best at in the game one time i saw him not catch that pop fall foul ball over his shoulder like he usually does so yeah anecdotally like vinny says i thought he had a phenomenal year i thought he did the job i never thought like mm, hose gotta go we can't have hose at first base let's have somebody else in there all the time, I was like, Hose is doing a great job out there for the most part. Like, I remember early in his career, like, the back of his webbing would be so loose. Balls would go through that. And I was like, you can't just make dumb errors like that. This year, I don't think I ever, like, raised the point. Like, oh, he made an error out of being lazy. I made an error out of being um, not aware of what the, situa- what the situation was. I thought Jose was all good at defense. Yeah, most errors he's had since 2015-11, but it really doesn't jump out. I, I didn't think, you know, I, I didn't really bat too many eyes at this. Um, you look since 2020 um, at outs above average, 11 first basemen have positive outs above average. Abreu is 10th at, at one. Like, he's just pretty average at first base, but it's first base defense. Again, like, it, it's really about what the throws are like coming over. Jake Berger wasn't pretty watching third base. Tim Anderson had one of his worst. Who's defensive the number seasons. one on that list? Do you know? Uh, it was uh, Christian Walker, who is okay. like a god at first base. Like, I mean, you want to watch someone play first base? Watch Christian Walker. But yeah. I mean, and outside he, of that, like, there's only one guy like finally. that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that it, 
it's negligible. Like if we Paul Konerko wasn't a great first baseman, he was a good first baseman. Frank was a butcher. That's why they put him at DH. We've had a wealth of great first basemen in this town. It's been awesome to see. And Jose Abreu was right alongside there. And if he comes back, I'm putting him right back at first because his defense is not a thing that is causing you to lose games. And According to your numbers, it's actually better than most. Well, and also he'll play 150 games there. I mean, I don't, I don't awesome. think Jose Prey wants to be a DH. Um, the other thing, too, like he gets an A- minus overall for the year. And I think if we told you the start of the season, Jose Prey would give you an A- minus season, we wouldn't be sitting here thinking about 81 and 81. So, again, the issue with this White Sox team, not, not Jose, Jose Abreu. Abreu. <laughs> um, so why are we having a discussion, should the White Sox move on from Jose Abreu? Because you even see that in the, the chat here. Abreu's got to go, please. It's very polarizing. Yeah. The, 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 there's everybody, everybody thinks either he's got to stay or he's got to go. And, again, I Should he stay or should he go? <laughs> uh, personally, I find it strange that someone would be vehemently for his departure, you know? But um, – it, it just goes to show you that uh, there are going to be some some tricky decisions this offseason for the White Sox. Joe R. saying, if this is the end for Abreu, it's a real shame that the Sox couldn't capitalize on how great he was slash is. Um, this is from the Sox Machine podcast. Jose Abreu has now passed Paul Konerko in career war. So you brought up Paul Konerko as being that first base. You passed the baton from Frank to Paul to, uh, to Jose. I mean, that's been... One hell of a 30-year dynasty. The Yankees have not had a losing season uh, in 30 years. The White Sox haven't had a bad thir- first baseman in about 30 years. It's good to see. I mean, he. I don't know if he'll get the acclaim as Paul Konerko did, but he deserves just as much. And as Vinny said, I would not be, and I was a couple years ago, and admittedly, I was like, I'm done with Jose Abreu when he was a free agent the last time. If the White Sox sign him, I think there'll be a mistake. He came back and was an MVP, was how good he was yes, last year in 2021, and this year was pretty damn good too. So I'm all for him coming back, and I understand why people don't want him back. It's not because of him necessarily. It's because of the other pieces needing to fit into this White Sox puzzle. But I say you don't get rid of the best part of your puzzle just to fit in some other pieces that might fit, but they also might not. As somebody said, like he posts. 157 games, I think. I think 130 of those were at first base. That's posting. That's a good thing that you don't have to worry about ever. It's like, hey, that guy wants to play. Not only does he want to play, he'll be mad if you sit him out. And he wants to play and produce runs for you. I would be very, very angry if the White Sox don't find a way to bring him back. And he still wants to play. And he's on some other team, especially the Cubs. Even though I'm not a Cub hater. I just don't want him to see him in this town doing well. Yeah, Alex Root's saying he's indifferent. I feel the same way just because if the White Sox, White Sox need to make a move, whether it's moving Aloy, whether it's moving Andrew Vaughn or letting Jose walk. I think if I had to make my claim, I think I've made it clear, I'd let Abreu walk. You'd be upset if they let him walk. Um, so if they, if you're keeping Abreu, seems like, and we've talked about this before, you want to get rid of Aloy? Even after I've read all those runners and scoring stats for you and all that I stuff, know, I do want want to get rid of Loy. I think he has the most trade that a trade of value to bring back to the White Sox, and I think his position as a designated hitter only for the most part in my White Sox world doesn't jibe. It doesn't work for me because you have way too many of those spots available, and you don't want to have Andrew Vaughn out in the field. Well, and you mentioned it too. Our, our former coworker Bruce Levine reporting this past weekend that Jose Abreu is on the Cubs' wish list this offseason. So, what would you make of that? Jose Abreu switching sides and going to the North Side. He's 
look at his slash numbers there at Wrigley. I know people say it was worse Cubs pitching. There's worse teams <laughs> than the Cubs in that division. The Pirates, the Reds. He'll be facing them there at Wrigley Field. He has a great career at Wrigley Field. And I don't know, he sees the ball well. That atmosphere is uh, conducive to him hitting a lot of home runs. And remember that weekend, I mean, I think you were there probably. Was there. Where he's just murdering the balls everywhere. There's lucky no fans were in the in the stands, then somebody would have died there because Jose was launching the ball in Wrigley versus John Lester versus Kyle Hendricks. Every pitcher they threw up there, uh, Jose Abreu was hitting home runs. Didn't he hit the most home runs in Wrigley Field that year mm-hmm. more than any other Cub? Six. 2020. 2020. See, yeah. And so I don't want him to go over there. He's got a, a established track record of being good at that stadium. And I can't see uh, Luke and Cody and Ryan, all the people at CHGO Cubs talking shit all the time that Jose Abreu hits another game winning home run for the Cub. I'm out. Well, I'll say this. I would imagine certainly uh, it, it would be smart if this were the case. Jose Abreu is probably on close to 30 offseason wish lists, I would guess. Yeah. I mean, right. The guy, the guy hits. The guy hits just as good as anybody in baseball. If you're looking to improve your lineup, boy, what a uh, improvement you could have by signing Jose Abreu. Uh, and that goes for the White Sox because uh, they need to improve their lineup. And their lineup, if they, if Jose Abreu is not part of their plans moving forward, then they really need to improve their lineup because they already had a lineup that struggled royally in 2022, and now you just lost the best player in it. Yeah. Uh, that is not going to uh, bode well. That's going to make Rick Hahn's work that much harder. I don't think it's going to make it easier. A, a lot of people say, oh, it, it makes it easier because you can fit the guys at their natural positions and, it, and, and it's easier uh, you know, to, to have the lineup that you're supposed to have. The lineup that you're supposed to have is one that produces. And if you take away the biggest producer out of that lineup – then your job just got way harder because you not only need to get everybody in the right spot, you need to find magically a way to make up for the for the production that you just lost. I don't I don't know about that. I'd push back on that just a little bit just because, I mean, I, I wouldn't be, again, I don't think it's a bad plan to trust Aloy, who you signed to this extension, to slot in at DH, and then Andrew Vaughn, who was a top three pick, to, to play first base. Like, I don't know if it's, I think it, if anything, it's just more pressure added to Vaughn and Aloy's plate. Like you, it's 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 definitely it's it's a risky bet for sure. You're you're doubling down on Vaughn and Aloy are our guys, but then it just frees up you know eighteen million dollars for you to go and address that you know the, address the outfield and free agency. I don't know if that's the hardest spot for Rick to be in. Sean. Are the White Sox? Do the White Sox have a better lineup with or without Jose Abreu? They have a a lineup with Jose Abreu. They have a better lineup. Yes. There you go. But but <laughs> but talking about filling in the nine, I don't think the nine. Like I think filling in the nine nine spots that you need to with Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, and Aloy Jimenez is tougher than without having Jose Abreu on this team. If you just had Aloy and Andrew Vaughn putting that roster together, I think was an easier job. Well, how? Well, where are, are you getting I think you're, this production I think, you're wor- from? I think you're worried about the production part, but I'm just saying, like, they didn't truly slotting guys. I know, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> slotting guys into actual positions. Tim Anderson at first, or Tim, Tim Anderson at shortstop, Yohan at third, uh, Yaz at catcher, Aloy DH, Andrew Vaughn at first, Harrison Garcia, whatever, at second, and then Luis Robert in center field. Leaving open left field and right field. I think that's a lot easier to solve, especially looking at the free agent market this year. Pollock's probably going to opt back in, and then Brandon Nimmo's available. You have Oscar Colas. You have Gavin Sheets. Like, I think it's way easier to fill in the roster rather w- w- without Jose Abreu. I think it just makes the 
the job of actually slotting those guys in easier. Finding that production is going to be on the players taking that step up. I, I think that's where you find the production is Andrew Vaughn having his best career year and Aloy Jimenez, hopefully as a DH, having his first fully healthy year. And then we know or we, we can assume what his production would be like if he has that health. Sure, but those that will be the hope whether Jose Abreu is on the team or not. That will be the that will be the idea that Rick Hahn is going into 2023 with, whether Jose Abreu is on the team or not. So basically, what you say there is that they're trading Jose Abreu for Brandon Nimmo. Oof. Yeah. And to me, that makes your lineup a hell of a lot worse. Well, to, to be fair, since 2020, I brought up weighted runs created plus and how Jose Abreu is the 15th best hitter uh, in Major League Baseball. The 14th best hitter with a 138 weighted runs created plus, Brandon Nimmo. You're telling me he's as good, he's, he's going to give you as much as Jose Abreu I'm telling you next he's a, year. I'm just saying, by weighted runs created plus since 2020, he is a better hitter by one percent than Brandon or uh, Brandon Nimmo is a one percent better hitter than Jose Abreu. You can color me skeptical. I'm, I, I I just think <laughs> that I know it's it's different because Brandon Nimmo is not winning an MVP or anything like that. But it's all about creating it in the aggregate, and if you get Aloy to play enough games. That should at least get you closer to a Jose Abreu's mm-hmm. numbers. It's just about Aloy playing that game. But Aloy is get, needs to get close to Aloy's numbers first, and then I'm just, but I'm Vaughn like, needs to get close to Vaughn's numbers first. Right. But but what I'm saying is, if if Aloy at DH will allow him to get up to the game number. So if if Aloy, I'm saying just Aloy playing 140 games, that is the most important stat for Aloy in 2023. Because I think that the hitting numbers, just by the talent that we've seen, and especially in that second half. I think he's going to hit when he's healthy. I agree. So, so if he's healthy and you get you get 140 games out of Aloy Jimenez, that might be greater than the production you're going to get from from Jose Abreu. We haven't seen it yet, but that's because we haven't seen Aloy play that many games. But you're saying that Aloy can be better than Jose. Okay, but you could have and Aloy hitting, yes. and Jose. You could have them both. The 2022 team was designed, right, yeah. to have all three of those guys hitting in the middle of the lineup. That's what the White Sox are, were supposed to be in 2022. If, they, if you go into 2023 without one of those pieces, they're worse than they were supposed to be. And then it obviously turned out that they were way worse than they were supposed to be because <laughs> nobody else on the team hit. <laughs> Herb, you, I, you, seem, you seem just exhausted by I'm, this whole I situation. Just, I know Brandon Nimmo's good, but he's going in his year 30 year, and I don't know if he can repeat this in the American League. Jose Abreu's 30. But he's but Jose Abreu's been doing this for in the American League versus the same pitchers for the most part since he started. I, I get your concern about a player coming over because you even see it with uh, Marcus Simeon and it, he didn't even switch divisions. I mean, he went from Toronto or uh, didn't switch leagues. He went from Toronto to Texas, and it took him until like June to hit his first home run. Yeah, it just it's a calculated risk. It's a good risk, I think. If you, the White Sox sign Brandon Immel. I will not poo-poo the move. I will say that's a good move. But then you're putting a lot of pressure on Brandon Nemo. You're putting a lot of pressure on Loy and Andrew Vaughn to create that, to make up the numbers that Jose Abreu would have got you anyways. I just think it's much easier to have your stalwart at first base get re-signed for two, three years than going out and getting a person that you don't know what production you're going to get from Brandon Nemo when he come, becomes a White Sox. Think about all the free agents the White Sox have had in the past that have come over with grid numbers. Adam Dunn, Adam LaRoche, um, Adam Eaton. Damn, all the Adams. All the Adams. Coming over here, and they're like, ah, these guys are not good at baseball anymore. They were good last year. What happened? And then they come over here, and they just, all the powers zapped, like uh, the Monstars took it. Also, here's a thought. Can have all four of them. 
You can. You can. They have enough. Aloyan left, Vaughn at DH, Jose at first, Nimmo and right. AJ Pollock's your fourth outfielder. He's a very expensive one, but he's a well, fourth outfielder done. I think the biggest <laughs> issue with that, and we can we can pull up uh, the blind resume here, um, just because we're trying to figure out. Uh, I, I did this just to try to figure out what Abreu's number might be if he does sign with the team or when he does sign with the team. Uh, for the podcast listeners, the blind resume: Player A is 33 years old, has an F WAR, Fangraphs WAR of 2.4. They had 21 doubles this year, 32 home runs, 75 RBIs. Player B, 36, uh, is 36 years old, an F WAR of 3.9, 40 doubles, 15 home runs, 75 RBIs. You guys should know who Player B is, but yeah, um, yeah take That's, your guesses. I'll bring you on Player B. For Player A, 33, all that number, I would say... Um, same position. Oh, same position. I was going to go with Marte, but uh, I'll say, oh, go ahead, Herb. Go ahead. If you have I'll say question. Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. So wow. Anthony Rizzo versus Jose Abreu right there. Um, and you could see three years older Jose Abreu is and less home runs, but more doubles, more F4, played in, you know, 156 games. Rizzo didn't do that. Um, Rizzo just signed for two years. $32 million. He's got a player option this year for $16 million. So you'd assume Abreu would probably get anywhere from like $15 to $18 million this year. And where the Sox are, especially if you take in the arbitration numbers, they're probably at 170 You add in 18 they're at 188 I just don't see the White Sox spending $188 million on this team. I don't know why. They have to see the teams that did spend money, the top 10 teams, and uh, we had uh, uh, people retweet this from The Athletic, Top 10 teams in um, payroll all made the playoffs, except for one, the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, spending money is a good thing. It's a great thing, especially in this current baseball system, unless we're going to do what the Cleveland Guardians do, which we're not. We need to spend money. We need to keep up and keep in pace with all these teams, San Diego Padres, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Houston Astros, the New York Yankees. We need to spend money. So, as Vinny said, it's not about paring it down, and I don't think Jose Abreu will make less money than he did this year. His year was good, and uh, for a walk year, it's pretty great as a 36-year-old man. He's going to make about the same amount of money next year, if not more, from some team, and I hope it's the White Sox. So they can go out and spend money on Brandon Nimmo, or they can go and get some other players to supplement this roster. The last thing they need to do is pare down the money that they've already spent because that's not going to do anything for this team. Might as well just you know, blow this whole thing up and make it up again if you're going to be paring it down. I know they're adverse to going close to that uh, competitive balance tax, but you need to. You need to get close to there, get comfortable. It's not that punitive as uh, the NBA is, is, so you won't be spending that much more money. So get up there. That's where teams are are doing now and so I know Jerry doesn't like to spin upwards towards the competitive balance tax but it's not that uh it's not that punitive as the NBA would be where his bulls are close to that number for a team that was just 81 and 81 though I don't think you're going to be able to convince someone to do that what I don't think you're going to be like, able just, to convince them to go into the competitive competitive balance tax to for an 81 and 81 team well I think what we've talked about is that how many moves are there to actually make for this White Sox team they're 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 in a bit of a box. They're 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 boxed in a bit here. I and think, I think there's two for sure signings that they need to get done. If if my plan is to let Abreu walk, sign an outfielder, whether that be Nimmo is the guy that I like right now, but it could be anybody, uh, and then a fifth pitcher. Those would be the two. Who's your second baseman? I, I'm fine with Harrison. I'm fine with yeah, picking so up you the, need the to Harrison pick, option. Pick up that option. Yeah, yeah. five million. So there's five and a half million there. Um, and, and then Pollock, Pollock's option too. Thirteen and a half. Yeah. So I mean, right there, that's. 
19 million for two players. I mean, does your te- is, is your team better? No, and but that, that's the thing is you got to spend more money, which I don't think they're going to spend more money. Well, so this I, team's got to be better than it was last year. Yeah, it has to be. Well, they're and, ba- they're banking on the the investments that they have made in Robert Aloy. I think Andrew Vaughn is is an investment like that just because he is cheap and has control. Tim Anderson as well, and then they're they're hoping that Moncada and Grandal can. Give them something, and I don't. I don't think that's terribly unreasonable, to be honest. Nope. I mean, it, certainly in many of those cases, maybe not every single one of them, but in in many of those cases, I don't think that's terribly unreasonable. Not only are they kind of stuck, as as we've talked about ad nauseum, but I think it's also maybe not that terrible of a strategy because these guys are talented and they're the guys that were supposed to be these players to 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 power this thing, and they still can do that. Um, but that being said, in the wake of what just happened, there's no doubt that things need to get better. And uh, I don't think they can just hire a new manager and say, all right, go, go make those, the same 26 better. I think it's going to be mostly the same, but I, but I think that there are, there's something that they have, that they have to do. I, I think you're going to see, a, I think you're gonna see a, uh, another starting pitcher added, even if it's not super exciting. Uh, but, uh, and then, yeah, I think they have really very few spots to make a splash you know, with a position player, but second base or the outfield would, would be those spots. Yeah, my one issue with second base, you look at the, the free agents. Uh, Gene Segura has a club option. I'm not sure if that's going to be picked up, but he's 33 years old, um, had 5.1 war this year. Colton Wong, 32 years old, had 5 war. He also has a club option. Then Adam Frazier, your guy, 30 years old, 4.7 war. Then Josh Harrison, 34, 3.7. He has a club option. But then after that, Cesar Hernandez, Rugnet Rador, Jonathan VR, Jose Peraza, Hanser Alberto, Chris Owings, all under uh, two or, or less. So we well, see know. those names, and you can say, all right, Josh Harrison, for what he did for the White Sox, is a comparable war as these other guys who are in the free agent market is going to cost exorbitantly more than he will. So let's just go with Josh Harrison. And I, if they do that, I'll be fine. And then they bring one of the uh, shortstop slash second baseman down in AAA to be his backup or Larry Garcia. That's fine. It's a good move. But they have to be looking at these playoff series and say, Cleveland Guardians, not only are they better than us, they're far superior to us. They're out here battling with the Yankees. This Yankee team's better than us than that Astros team's a juggernaut right now. So, yes, us coming back with the same players, expecting them to have better performances is a very good plan because they had, for the most part, all of them had bad years. You expect to bounce back from them. But you have to think that your team is fundamentally flawed. Like the Cleveland Guardians won 12 of the 19 games they played versus you. And you saw how they did it methodically. They did it with pitching. Sometimes they did it with power. For the most part, they just got the base runners on and stole second, stole third, took the extra base. How does the White Sox see that? I hope they're watching this playoffs and say, you know what? I understand what we're doing with Jose Abreu and Andrew Vaughn and Eloy Jimenez, but is that getting us closer to this? Is that getting us closer to beating that Cleveland team? If it's not, they got to figure out a way to do that because they're not the only worry about the Cleveland team. Detroit team I thought was coming last year, they're still good. They still have young players out there everywhere. You don't think so? You're you're out. Riley Green didn't start the year with the team. They had a whole bunch of injuries. Uh, Mize out for the year. Their entire Sco- rotation. Scooble yeah. out. Yeah, they had a lot of things. I think they're coming too. So they have a lot of players that weren't great players this year that I think next year you might have something in there in Detroit. I still believe in that. And I think that the White Sox have to think about those teams about competing with them because still we're in the division era. 
they still have to win the AL Central to get the playoffs, I believe. Yeah, I don't know if I love Detroit just because they're banking on Baez to be a lot better than he will ever be again, and I just don't see that happening. And Torkelson wasn't the best this year, but you're right. I mean, they did have a lot of injuries, especially to their pitching. Um, and Casey Mize, I mean, that guy could be a, a, a White Sox killer. And Scooble. Um, we want to let he you know. He was good, too. When he did pitch. Yeah, Scooble was good, and Shady Rays are also good. Uh, Shady Rays never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. We're very excited to get to try our brand-new Shady Mm -hmm. Rays that are in the mail. They are premium polarized shades featuring world-classic optical clarity, sustainable uh, durability, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear, lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. I've dropped my pair of sunglasses into the lake before. I have sat on my sunglasses before. I have done everything. This is a comedy of errors. Exactly. And (laughs) thankfully, uh, thankfully, Shady's Race is there uh, to replace them and and solve my comedy of errors. One of the main reasons why I don't buy sunglasses because I lose them and there's no uh, replacement. I'm glad that Shady Race is uh, allowing you to lose and or uh, crack them and get a free one. Right. And the thing too is if you don't crack them and you don't need to replace them, they are made extremely, extremely well. It's why they have over 200,000 five-star reviews. They are just as good as any expensive pair that you can buy. But the thing is, is they are considerably more affordable. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed and have donated over 20 million meals to date. So you're also supporting a uh, fantastic, um, uh, what's that called? Philanthropic. philanthropic cause. Oh, Thank you. Wow. Uh, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. You can buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54, and you can redeem only at ShadyRays.com, where you can find all of their newest and best shades. So again, use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Essentially, it's buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54, again, at ShadyRays.com using code CHGO. You were you, you used uh, vehement, vehement, vehemently. I think you used that word. And one it, of the things you said, I what said. You, yeah, yeah. What did you say? Vehemently. I think you, you, you pronounced it weird, though. You said it. Uh, vehemently? Yeah. Is that what I said? And I was that like, I, was like oh, I didn't know it was pronounced that way. I think it um, also was cr- pronounced that way. <laughs> It probably is. Just like I devices trust Vin- are divisive. Vin- Vinny's, our, uh, <laughs> Vinny's our scribe over there, so I, I, I assume that he's got the uh, all the good words for us to use. Uh, I want to let you know about Game Time, too. They're the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, maybe 50-yard line at a Bears game, courtside at a Bulls game, behind the glass at a Hawks game, the biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Bulls. Blackhawks or Bears tickets. We have a tailgate coming up on November 6th, our CHGO Bears tailgate for the Bears Dolphins game. If you're looking to get to that game, make sure you check out the tailgate details at allchgo.com. And if you're looking to get into that game, head over to Game Time to buy your tickets. It was created by the fans for the fans, and it guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. And join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best. Seat, uh, seats to all your favorite events. Uh, final thing, just want to let you know these two notes uh, that were uh, reported today. One coming from John Morosi, Pedro Grifol, and 
Joe Espada have impressed White Sox officials in their interview process. Sources say additional managerial candidates are believed to be involved with a final decision possible before the end of the month. So maybe we're two weeks away from knowing who the next White Sox manager is. And then for Mark Feinsand of MLB.com, there's a buzz within the industry that Phillies hitting coach Kevin Long is emerging as potential managerial candidate for at least one of the five openings, Royals, White Sox, Marlins, Blue Jays, and Rangers. He does have a connection with Joe Espada. I'd be very fond if Kevin Long came over with Joe Espada, manager and hitting coach duo. But uh, if we just get Kevin Long, I'd be happy about that. So uh, those are two notes that we just wanted to pass along with you. Um, we gave out our grades to Jose Abreu. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? On those things, uh, it's good that the White Sox are doing their due diligence. I don't know uh, necessarily if um, Kevin Long can come over as a hitting coach, if he's already got a job, if you can got to be like elevated to the next level. But whatever it takes for the White Sox to be better in 2023, I think they're doing the job right now of interviewing a wide, vast array of candidates. And I hope, yeah, Kevin Long should be interviewed too. As Vinny said, talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Interview the world. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully they hire one person out of the seven billion in the world. Um, it'd be a lot, a lot of, a lot of interviews. It'd take a while. A lot of, Certainly, a lot of be, it would not. That process would not be done before the end of the month. No. Uh, yeah. The, the Kevin Long news is interesting. I, I think he would possibly leave uh, the Phillies just to to leave because he was brought in to be Joe Girardi's hitting coach. He was on. The hitting coach, uh, he was on the uh, staff with Joe Girardi uh, back in New York. That was one of his first major league jobs. So uh, he went back to Philly with Girardi. Girardi then was fired. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to stick around with Rob Thompson. And uh, Joe Espada and Kevin Long have had a long, long relationship down in the minor league. So it would make sense, I think, uh, that Kevin Long could come over as a hitting coach if they hired Joe Espada. But that's a lot of what ifs. We don't even know. We don't know who's the favorite. We don't know anything yet. We're still figuring out. We're still in the dark here. They're still interviewing people. We've got multiple people saying I should be manager. We will quickly find out that indeed managers do matter if that happens because the record would not be nearly what it was this year. Would you wear the uniform, like the full uniform? I can't stand that they make the manager and coaches wear the uniform, but I think you have to, right? I, I like the jacket look. Let's put it this way. I far more want the other job that Schwo is suggesting, walk-up song DJ. That one, I, I would, I'm vastly more passionate about that. I don't think you were out in the, the concourse, but you were this year. Did you see the DJ booth they had? It was like a little bit to the right of 108. I think it was probably like in 104 or something. I did not see the DJ booth. Well, it's, it's weird. It's literally like a, a penalty box. So we can put Vinny in the penalty box out by the Goose Island. Uh, there is no goose anymore, unfortunately, the, the Miller Light landing. Uh, but you can be... In your, in your area. You could be by your former goose. You could be up in the concourse playing beats and everything. I mean, be a good spot. Yeah. The walk-up <laughs> walk music would improve dramatically. Well, they're picking the walk-up music. Who are? The, the players. players. Oh, well, they shouldn't. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you get Andrew Vaughn set up with some Waylon Jennings real fast. There we go. Some there real go. country for Andrew. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, it, final thing. If you had to pick a number, your manager, I guess player too, number you're going with. Tony was just rocking 22. I just picked the year of my birth, 78. So, like, hardly anybody gets it unless I'm a White Sox player. They're going to try to get it. I'm like, sorry, guy. I got 78. That's me. <laughs> I'm out. And like I said, Vinny said, too, it's dumb. I understood the, the need for managers to wear uniforms back in the day because they're player managers, so they might actually play. It just looks silly now. Dusty with all his damn uh, wristbands and his toothpick. You ain't playing, bro. Take the cleats off. <laughs> You're not playing. Not don't put a suit on. Yeah. Have like a, uh, a team issued like jogging suit or something like that. The NBA doesn't make the guys wear suits anymore. It just makes them wear a team NBA apparel, dry uh, fit shirt. Yeah, dry yeah. fit shirt. Some right regular slacks. Like a slob, yeah, you know, wear a belt. 
it's weird. It, it makes them feel like they're still part of the team. They're not. You're above these guys slightly. Well, you're also usually in your 50s, 60s, or 70s. Yeah. And the unif- baseball uniform, not super flattering to most people that age. I so. loved seeing Tony run out in the full garb uh, back in 2021, seeing him make that sprint after uh, Abreu got hit. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. The man in the middle is Demolition Man, Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Kevin Wells for producing the show. And again, this was presented to you by DraftKings. Yes. The number one sports book out there. So if you're betting tonight on the NFL, make sure you're doing it with our good friends over at DraftKings. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We got more player grades for you. Talk to you then. Bye.